Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. First round, I will be 33 years of age. Today, to be honest, we're pre-recording, but this is going out on the Monday, which is my birthday. Happy birthday, Scott. Cheers, because mate. that will make sense on Monday when this goes out. How I are you think l- and hope so. Are you looking forward to being 33? Well, i tell you what, when this goes out, uh, I'll be at a zoo holding a sloth because I'm going to do a sloth day for my birthday. So I'll be hanging out with a sloth, hopefully feeding it little sloth treats. And then that's where I'll be. So as people listen to this, I'll just just imagine me holding a sloth who's got a nice little face. I often do. Giving, giving me a hug, got an arm around the old neck, and I'm just like, here's a bit of melon. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. However, you were telling me before we started recording that apparently sloths have <laughs> incredible core strength and yeah. could kill you if yes. it didn't like you. So I offer you another picture of you cuddling a sloth. But the sloth slowly squeezing you to death I until think I your would die lungs happy. come out your mouth. You know that bit in Detective Pikachu? We will get to a point at some point. I you know, know that bit in Detective Pikachu <laughs> when... Um, have you seen Detective Pikachu? I have, I have. The bit when um, the main dude, Justice Smith's character, is very dismayed, and Pikachu says, hey, look, if your dad was here... Sorry, 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 I'm going to interrupt this thing. That was you just realised that's Justice Smith? Justice Smith, Smith yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from um, the quarry. The quarry of fame. quarry fame. I was looking up images, because I was editing an article the yes. other day, on a Godzilla movie, was okay. it? And Justice Smith was also in that. Yeah. And he is so good. And now, I need to go back and watch he's all so these movies. He's so good in Godzilla. Yes. I forgot he was in Godzilla. But <laughs> he's brilliant in Detective Pikachu. And that scene where he gets very, very sad about not being able to solve the case and what's going on with his father and everything, Pikachu says, I'm sure if your dad was here, he'd hug you so tight your bones would pop. And it's meant to be a very nice touching moment. Mm. But that visual is horrible, Pikachu. Uh, what are you doing, mate? Take the hat off and have a, have a word with yourself. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen to you. Yes. And you just have a nice birthday. Yeah, speaking of sloth core strength, apparently they have insane strength. If they don't want to let go, they won't let go. And if they want to slowly kill you, they will. I think you're the cuddliest man in the world, <laughs> and therefore they will take an immediate liking to you. And you would hope they 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 know it's your birthday. They it's wouldn't true. do anything bad to you. I no. promise. This is all foreshadowing for when something does. It's bad. true. I mean, I bad think does? that yeah. I have a certain. If you were going to pie chart me, there's a certain percentage <laughs> of me that I think is pure plush. So if you want to, yeah. if you want to embrace that side of it, feel free. Anyway, not related to anything we're actually going to talk about, no. which is we thought we would do a breakdown of what is the best year in gaming history. Only going off gut feelings and then seeing which games come out for those specific years. Now we did realize before recording that we lined up on one year that we both said 2007. Yes, um, and we'll get back to that. Um, but I'm going to pass it over to you for your first year, please. We my, have three each. I my say. first year is. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've Go come at my picks from a very subjective angle, right? Yes. And this year, not only does it have great games, okay. but it's the first year I remember being old enough to be looking forward to games that were coming out. I right. wasn't just getting games from my dad or renting them from Blockbuster. <laughs> I was actively looking forward to them because yes. 2001, my friend, oh. had titles such like Go Metal on. Gear Solid 2, yep. Grand Theft Auto 3, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, the best Tony Hawk, That's not true. Halo 1, Devil May Cry 1, Silent Hill 2, Max Payne, Ico, 
Crash Bandicoot, The Wrath of Cortex, the best Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Oni, which was what? the, uh, the, the Bungie sorry, no, sorry, game. The PlayStation 2 one. <laughs> it's not the best Crash Bandicoot. I thought I'd get away with that one. No, for, I was like, hold on, that's my one, because I've got Crash 2 coming up later. <laughs> no, that's, that's absolute insanity. Okay, that I'm, broke my head for a bit. I'm doing a bit with that, but I still think Wrath of Cortex is good, and I loved it <laughs> when I was growing up. Like I said, a really formative thing. How old were you then? Uh, I would have been literally six years old. That's why. Maybe seven. Yeah, that's yeah. why. I mean, that's that's true. Did that's you fine. ever play Oni? Because that's on here. Yeah, man. The, that's an old bungee game. Yes, the, uh, Oni's great. I used to rent that game every week to, to keep it because I yes. couldn't afford it, but I could afford the three pounds a week if I didn't eat my lunch. Right. I would keep my lunch money and rent Oni over and over again. We'll come back to that. Okay. The final games of this year were Simpsons Road Rage, an underrated gem, Spider-Man 2, Enter Electro, an underrated gem, and Tekken 4, one of the best Tekkens that never gets its due. So I think, all oh, in God. all, this was not only a watershed moment for gaming in mm-hmm. general, like some of the sequels I mentioned, Mel Gear Solid, uh, Grand Theft Auto obviously mm-hmm. changed the landscape of gaming, but also from a personal perspective, these like shaped my personality to an embarrassing extent. They really did. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and Wrath of Cortex are almost chemically infused <laughs> into a file to make you. I'm, uh, I'm going to read out um, some of my stuff and we'll go back and forward. My um, first pick was 2004. Um, and let me just reel off some gems. Come you on. try contending with this. <laughs> Halo 2, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, The Chronicles of Riddick, um, the initial one, Escape from Butcher Bay. Um, in here as well is The Sims 2 and World of Warcraft, but we're also talking Half-Life 2. We're talking the original Far Cry. We're talking the original Fable. We're talking Metal Gear Solid 3. We're talking Knights of the Old Republic. Def Jam Fight for New York, one of the best games ever made. Is to be that honest. true? Yeah, that is chemically true. Jack <laughs> 3 is in here. Onimusha 3 is also in here. Demon Siege. And um, there was something else I had down as well. Spider-Man 2, a right. seismic game that would not be beaten for 13 years. Is it better than Spider-Man 2 El- Enter Electro? Yeah, though? it is. Uh, you're probably right. Spider-Man Enter Electro yeah. is also worse than the original Spider-Man. That's, That's true. Yeah. It's still good though. It's right. all right. Have you, is that your full list uh, I, let me, I also had Hitman Contracts down. We got Prince of Persia Warrior Within. Right. I'll also throw in Crash Twin Sanity, which is better than Wrath of Cortex. Here's the thing. And Red Revolver and the Suffering. Carry on. This is where I'm going to come in and slag off everything <laughs> you just said, because that's a pretty good year. However, I would argue year. that every game that you just said that okay. is part of the franchise, with the exception of Spider-Man 2, is not the best game in their respective franchises. Oh! Well, I can't remember exactly what you said, but Halo I do stand by that. Halo 2 and San Andreas would argue that to the death. I... Personally, go on. You know that I am a big Vice City fan. Vice you are. City. Metal Gear Solid Three. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, my friend, and that came out in two thousand one. Two over three. Yep. Let's go into this right okay. now because Metal Gear Solid Two, alongside I would say um, Silent Hill Two in two thousand one, they're two of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Metal Gear Solid Two, especially, the more time I get away from that, the more I realize that's my favorite game in that franchise. Ooh, Metal Gear I Solid Three is incredible. And I understand why it's a lot of people's favorite in that series, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of going back to the story of Big Boss, in terms of kind of like the James Bond influences being more overt than ever, and of course, the setting uh, in the time period. However, yes. there still is nothing like Metal Gear Solid 2, my friend, in terms of visuals, in terms of story, its gameplay might not be as refined, but it's the full package. The thing is, like, I am with you. I love Metal Gear Solid 2. That was that was a seismic release. Um, but the, the whole thing about it being the best in the franchise, if we're talking Metal Gear, it's Metal Gear Solid 1, but I'll get Ooh, to that later. Okay. Um, to address your overall point, though, about it not the games that I mentioned not being the best in their respective franchises, Def Jam 5 New York absolutely poops on Def Jam Icon and Vendetta, even though I love Vendetta. Mm-hmm. And Burnout 3 Takedown has yet to be beaten as the best arcade <laughs> racer of all time, let, let alone inside the, the Burnout series. And Onimusha 3 Demon Siege Okay. Absolutely Absolutely stellar. Right. Uh, Jean Renault himself. Admittedly, I have I have said something wild. 
And I have admittedly Look, 2004 also gave us some of those Driver games. 3. That's so true. That so was a bad, bad time. sequels. You know, you talk about like Jack 3 and stuff. Mm. And again, for me personally, I would I would kill Jack and his friend Daxter. <laughs> Why? And not put him in this list. Jack was just, I was a Ratchet and Clank boy. You know oh. what I mean? And in the tribal warfare Stinky years that, of the early 2000s, yeah. it was one or the other. And my boy Clank would kill Jack in That's his sleep. That's not even, Daxter would have his face off. I know, we're not in his sleep. Clank I doesn't not. have to sleep. He's a robot. Ratchet and Clank, the um, the PS3 one, I think is the best one. The right. uh, A Crack in Time, I think, was the initial one right. on PS3. I used to love yes. that one. I like the original one, too. But that weird, like, we're going to pretend we're like an action series thing, yeah. and they lost all their platforming roots, all that kind of stuff. Um, that trajectory put me right off, Ratchet. Whereas right. small, young, listening to Disturbed and Saliva Me was loving the weird goatee direction that Jack 2 went in. <laughs> so it's, it could not be more me if it tried. Well, speaking of things being, you know, not more you Persia if Warrior it Yep. Yeah, I mean, that owns. Like, going to 2001 again, I thought you would agree with this because I look but, at some of these games, MGS2, uh, Devil May Cry especially, mm. you know, Max Payne, do, and, do, I, and uh, I think of you. I think of you when I think of those games. So yes. why are those not doing it for you? No, they do. They, they do it for me. I just, I, that, I mean, one, I can I can test you bring up Devil May Cry because I don't think you played that until recently, but I could be wrong. Oh, I didn't, but I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about what I know now. Like, That's that true. wasn't one of the formative ones, I will admit. It right. was definitely MGS2, GDA, Tony Hawk's Devil May Cry and even Silent Hill 2 to an extent were mm. ones that I got to later on. I didn't play those at the time. I mean that yeah, like it was the the yeah, I was the yeah of the PlayStation 2. Yes. Like that was like the the Christmas when I got it I got it at launch it was in November whatever 2000 and then that whole year was just one of the most blissful times of my life. That was the time when I don't know what how holidays work for different schools around the world, but in the UK we get 6 weeks off. Yeah. I spent that entire 6 weeks dusk till dawn on the PlayStation 2 yeah. just burning it out. I actually burned the laser out. Um, <laughs> I had to so go God, I know, right? So I was like my, that's my origin story. I had to go to um, this, shout out to this place called Morn Microcomputers, which didn't exist anymore. Tiny mm. little uh, shop. Um, I had to go in there with, like, just holding my PlayStation 2 like a newborn baby, just yeah. saying, I, something's gone wrong. Can you please help me? And um, and they were like, we'll have, it, we'll have it back to you in a week. It was the longest week of my I life. I bet, man. And then, and then it was fine again. But that that PlayStation's laser would break over and over again because <laughs> I was, I refused. He was like, try playing it less. I was like, have you seen the games we've got, mate? I'm not, I can't play it less. I had a dodgy PS1 that could play a pirated games when oh. I was younger. And see of Thieves. it's hilarious because the PS2 was like, <laughs> it's very good. I just <laughs> see of Thieves very good. It's uh, bones. Uh, yeah, the, the PS1 would break all of the time. Right. But to fix it, my dad would tear off a bit of paper and put it between the spinner thing and the center of the console. Okay. And that would somehow fix it. The PS2 <laughs> couldn't be fixed with a bit of paper and therefore is an inferior bit of kit. That's uh, incredible. You talk about there the six weeks holidays and stuff. Um, for me, it was looking forward to playing Metal Gear Solid 2 because I can't remember if it was a demo on its own or if mm. it was part of a demo disc but I remember playing To Death the opening tanker chapter oh, that dude. you got did you buy Zone of Enders to get the demo for it? No, I didn't. So oh, I did. I'm trying to figure out how I played it because I, I had it on disc, but I, it must have been a demo disc They eventually, because that, that initial demo of the entire tanker section was yeah. on Zone of the Enders. That was to get you to buy Zone of the Enders. Yes. And then, which I did, like a moron. I still have that disc. It's, right, uh, nice. I still have that at my house. But um, but yeah, they eventually put that demo out properly, I think. I'm not sure if it was as long. But um, but yeah, that whole tanker section, um, which is incredible. No, I'm not. I can't take away from the, the seismic nature of Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, that was a game when the trailers were being shown off that, I could, you could watch the trailers on certain demo discs yeah. and I would get a video cassette for my old TV and I would record them onto a video so I can watch them over and over again. Nice. And I would just watch Metal Gear Solid 2 stuff over and over and over again. And um, the other day I was watching the opening sequence from that when he dives off the uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. Still phenomenal. Still absolutely the best opening sequence of all time. 
I'm, I've got a secret. Go on. I've got a real confession to make. Okay. I think I've told you this before. Might have done. I might have made this confession. <laughs> when I was young and when I played Metal Gear Solid 2, which I did over and over again. You skipped again, the cutscene. I skipped only the opening cutscene. Why? I thought it was boring. Have you seen it now? I have okay. since. Uh, and I didn't know why I skipped it. I just wanted to get to that boring. type of chapter so far. It, it jumps off a bridge. I imagine, man. I'm seven years old. <laughs> in, it's high snake, on Tony Hawk's 3. High on Tony Hawk's 3. And it's Solid Snake in a hoodie walking down a bridge in some rain. In my brain. Also, he's invisible. I know, man. In, it, that made it more boring to me at the time. In my head, I wanted to get on that tanker and start holding people up and start torturing them <laughs> by shooting them in the gonads. That's all you think. <laughs> oh my God, when you were a kid playing like violent games, I remember getting my dad in the room and be like, look dad, look what I can do. And I just like shot this guy in both arms and a leg. And he was like, it's a bit sadistic, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm also having a lot of fun, Dad. It's another thing I think I might have mentioned on the Chatty Faces way back when, but mm. a similar um, thing happened when I was playing Assassin's Creed 2, I want to say. Right. And you know, you could just like hidden blade anyone yeah. in that game. I remember like seeing like a bunch of civilians that were lined up because someone was attacking them. It was right. kind of a scripted thing. And after I freed them, I went up to each one and stabbed each one <laughs> in the gut and just killed them all. And I distinctly remember my dad saying like, oh, so what did they do? Yeah. And I was like, Nothing. Nothing, they Dad. They did nothing, and now they're dead. They were in my way. It was a lesson of morality. I never did that again. I remember doing that show, my grandma, Grand Theft Auto 3. Remember how much of a big deal GTA yeah. 3 was in that year that you mentioned? Yes. And uh, I remember showing that to, what, to my grandma. But look, you didn't, you didn't do anything. You didn't like, hop in this Dodo helicopter. You can do whatever you want. You can also just pilot a car onto the side <laughs> the side path and just take out everybody in one go. And she's like, why would you do that? I was like, why wouldn't you do that, grandma? <laughs> like, just look at how much insane carnage I can, uh, I can throw together. Um, it's worth mentioning for 2004, um, I think, because I think you mentioned this the other day, Battle for Middle Earth came out then. Yes. I'm not sure if you like that game. I do like that game. Yeah, I, I can't remember case. what the hell we were talking. Maybe it was a wind-up. I can't remember. It sounds this like week has we been did. a strange week. Um, yeah, Battle for Middle Earth is like the most underrated Lord of the Rings game. That's what we were doing. It was Ooh. the main... Uh, what were you doing that for? No, no, no. I, just, I went, oh, oh, because, yeah, someone asked us on the main podcast that was what it. is the best Lord of the Rings yes. game. But I went, oh, oh, because you said that that was the most underrated one. It is, surely. Surely it's that Aragorn game that was some people swore by and the rest of us went, no, we're playing the EA games, leave us alone. I never played that. Me neither. But mm. I, it's like the Obi-Wan game that came out on Xbox. Like it's ah, just, people yes. go, oh, it's brilliant. And I'm like, you were six. That's why <laughs> That's why it was brilliant. But I never got there myself. That's all. That's what you could say to everything I just said. <laughs> oh, you were six. Yeah, I was. It was great. No, to be fair, I was only two years older than you. Like it was, uh, or maybe more than that's that. That's not true. You were. How old are we right you, now? You were six years older than I was like 15 me. or 16, yeah. but it was a good time. Um, so yeah, that's my case for 2004. And I think I can largely hang the whole thing on Halo 2. Now I get that people don't like the end of Halo 2. I personally, we'll talk about confessions. Right. I never cared about the cliffhanger ending of Halo 2 because yeah. I always assumed it was a trilogy anyway. I always assumed it was a middle installment. I liked the way that game ended. Right. Um, I wasn't expecting to finish the fight in that game. Um, for whatever reason, I just didn't expect that. So when it ended like that and he went off to do stuff, yeah. I was uh, more enamored by the Xbox Live side of it anyway. Like that, right. that game was like just, playing every single night um, with people from up and down the country making little posses and parties and everything um, ranking up so much that they had to reset the servers I remember that <laughs> losing my level 48 whatever it was no. and having to go back to the start but yeah I personally can hang a lot of 2004 just on San Andreas and especially Halo 2 well for me, again, well, for me personally, San Andreas was like the Grand Theft Auto game of that trilogy that I put the least amount of time into. Oh. Not saying it's bad. I know people love it. It just wasn't my Grand Theft Auto. Right. And honestly, Halo 2 was kind of lost on me because I um, got that 
from a friend mm. to play over a weekend. It was my first experience with Halo, mm-hmm. but I didn't have online, so it was just the campaign oh, God. for me. Right. And, I, and I, it was one of the first games that I recall being annoyed at when really? it ended because I was thinking that was really short, and this is when it wasn't. I didn't even <laughs> bought it, you know. I just played through it, and I remember I haven't been back to it since, to be mm. honest. Uh, but I remember at the time being annoyed that it was split between the perspectives as well, between uh, oh, the, the Arbiter, Arbiter oh, of course, and then the Master Chief. I and I did stuff. not like that as a child, so it didn't make the impact on me. And as such, I was actually wary of Halo 3 when it came out. Really? Yeah, oh, I, I ended up loving that, but... Few know. things in gaming history uh, mimic, live up to, whatever, the rollout of Halo to me. That yeah. is, like, religious territory. And I'm not a religious man, but, like, that trilo- that initial trilogy, every single beat of every single trailer and everything. That's why I cry when I watch that reveal of Halo 3 yeah. from uh, E3 2005 or whatever it is. Um, every single time. I just, there was something about that whole rollout that just was, like, next level. And, like, for me, I thought they were nailing all that stuff. And even in Halo 2, like, the campaign, um, as much as the ending is quite sudden or whatever, they'd still nailed, I love the bit at the beginning where they, you could dual wheel for the first time yeah. as all the aliens come through the, the door at the first time and you just get to pose them down with twin SMGs. And then the bit with the scarab, the big scarab walking tank. Yeah, yeah, Realizing yeah. that the game just wants you to jump onto it Great yourself. Yes. I was like, that's unbelievable. Um, stuff like that is why I was like, this is already God tier anyway. Before we even got to the end, um, we should shift into another year. Though I was going to do. Sorry, I'm going. Before we go into the yes. next year, could I make a claim? You can, because I have a rogue. Someone year should here. have been defunct for a few years. Go on. Well, I don't know what, I even, what does that mean. A claim. That's be very good. <laughs> Someone should bring them back. <laughs> Very good. We're yeah. having the nostalgia point. Dad and the jokes. claim is being brought up. I'm getting old. Yeah. I want to stake a claim. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to be able to say that without <laughs> laughing now. Uh, that the most the most underrated year. Yeah. The most underrated gaming year is 2005 because it had some extreme bangers in, but it was also a year where the most underrated games that we still talk about now get released. So get your eyes on this, my friend. Okay. Resident Evil 4, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, Devil May Cry 3. None none of these are underrated, though. No, I'm going to get to those. I'm doing, like, the main ones first. I see, I see. Shadow of the Colossus, Battlefront 2. Mm -hmm. However, on top of that, you have Psychonauts, you have Time Splitters 3, you have Quake 4, you have Matrix The Path of Neo, you have James Bond from Russia With Love, you've got the first God of War, obviously not underrated. Brothers in Arms, Gun, King Kong The Game, Ultimate (laughs) Spider-Man, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, an incredible game. You've got Mercenaries, you've got Guitar Hero 1, you've got King Kingdom Hearts 2, you've got Mortal Kombat, Shaul and Monks. Yeah, you do. You've got the Warriors, you've got Destroy All Humans, you've got Killer 7, and you've got Fear 1. Okay, Look they, at those underrated gems. Yes, yeah, some of them are absolutely some of the best games of all time. The Warriors, specifically. Yeah. King Kong? Yeah. No, not King, King Kong. Kong. King's, okay. King Kong's aura. King Kong's better than it had any right to be, yeah. um, considering when that thing launched. Most of the things you said there are the games that, that made me drop off their franchises. Really? The, um, the, okay. the absolute severe drop from James Bond Everything or Nothing to James Bond from Russia with Love in game form right. was, a, a, for me, not good at all. I really didn't like that. I thought Everything or Nothing, I still maintain that's the best Bond game of all time. I agree. And then when they try to use that engine again and they brought Sean Connery in and whatever, I, that didn't do anything for me. Oh, there was that. something else you said just before from Russia with Love as well. Uh, Time's Time Future Perfect. Yes. That was the game that killed that IP. Like, oh. Time Splitters 2, God tier. Time Splitters Future Perfect, 
Nah, I disagree, man. I know you do. I just, I that was I, the game when you were real a gun as well. The gun that was in the shadow of Red Dead Revolver for me. Right. It was just like things like that where I was like, every when you reel off about five or six in a row, where I was like, every one of them, I remember going, oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> like I, I'll give you. I love the Warriors. I really like that episode three game. I was yeah. that was surprisingly solid. And um, but for me personally, most of those games that you just cited are the are the last ones in their sagas that I played. I respect that, and I can <laughs> agree with it to an extent. Right. However, if you were, if you were trying to build a criminal profile for me. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you could look at this year and understand why I am the way I am. It's because true. Stuff like Path of Neo, stuff like Mortal Kombat, so much worse than Monks, Matrix. That is true, but it's still good. Is what I I'm don't saying. Think Underrated it is. is what I'm saying. Okay, this is what I'm. I'm okay. arguing. I'm banging the table. No, you should. You should. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man again. I would argue better than Spider-Man Two. You know? oh. Some would say. I yep. would say. Uh, Quake 4 was also awesome. <laughs> Quake 4 was good. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to throw that in. We don't have to talk about it too much. I just thought that was incredible. And I want to know, message me on Twitter or write to us via yes. Pigeon, yes. whether you also agree with me that this is a great year and it should be talked about more. I think I'm going to do a Twitter, um, sorry, Twitter, YouTube community poll on whether Ultimate Spider-Man is better than Spider-Man 2 Ooh. because... Um, I see where you're coming from. I played all of Ultimate Spider-Man in, in one sitting. I was it was on a rental, yeah. and I was I was counting the minutes until I had to leave the house to give it back, and I just finished it. And so, um, actually, no, I don't think I did. I think I got to the final boss and I couldn't beat it. Right. And I had, I just had to give it back and I never got back <laughs> to it again. Um, but Ultimate Spidey, I remember thinking the swinging wasn't as good, but it did look incredible. It did. It still played very, very well. Um, I know there's a whole bunch of contingent of Spider-Man fans who swear by Ultimate Spidey. And it's yeah. like, I can see where they're coming from. I love but it, But it wasn't a whole New York map with the, the double web slingshot thing that you could do in Spidey 2. It wasn't, but you did get Queens. You had like you queens, queens and it was a, a slightly different borough. I will say, Go on. the... the f- the best present I have ever received mm. was from my girlfriend about three years ago. Mm. And for Christmas, she bought me a PlayStation 2 and a copy of Ultimate Spider-Man. But the copy of Ultimate Spider-Man was so pristine. It right. was like it had just come out the wrapper. It oh. wasn't like banged up from being pre-owned. It was like, it was the only time I've ever understood why collectors who collect things in mint condition do what they do. Because yeah, it man. felt like an artifact. And yeah. I cherish having that in the house because Ultimate Spider-Man effing old <laughs> it did it I will great. say um, like I, I mentioned quite a lot about how I was someone who didn't get an N64 till my 30th yes and then went on a spree of getting mint condition games or trying to N64 mint condition stuff is ludicrously priced but I did do it for a couple of games Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time and yeah there's I still think getting a new console feels like getting a new console whether it's brand new or old or whatever 100%. it's a console it's mm-hmm. hardware it's in your hands it's great and the controller and everything else and then like you said getting like pristine versions of games that feel plucked out of time anyway um, just just saying that's a lovely feeling and if you've ever wanted to just buy an old system um, it's worth doing like especially something that has an aura around it like an N64 or a PS2 or whatever um, let me reel off some games Come on. from uh, my this is my when you initially asked me to do this podcast my gut went to 1997 um, and I'm gonna yes. reel off some 1997 stuff then you can do your second year because I think we'll just agree on 2007 yes. but we'll get there 1997 was the year that Abe's Odyssey GoldenEye 007 Metal Gear Solid Final Fantasy 7 the original Fallout I was gonna say the original Postal as I look at this list but the um, <laughs> the Blade Runner game Jedi Knight was also the, was also dropped in there the original Grand Theft Auto Tomb Raider 2 Mortal Kombat 4 which I know is a very overlooked entry in that series but it did bring the series to 3D um, the original Gran Turismo, Crash Bandicoot 2, Need I Go On? It's a great year. It, it is was an unbelievable great, year. Great year. In some of those games, are again, my, oh, FIFA 98 was awesome. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 2, the best Crash game 
I don't even believe und that, but I knew, I knew I could throw it in there because you love Crash 2. Uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night and Star Fox 64 as well. Just seismic, seismic releases in their franchises. Undeniably, right? I, w I, I will not doubt this. 1997, <laughs> like you said, incredible. In it. I would argue it changed gaming in the same way that 2001 did. Ooh, However, go on. 1998 <laughs> is where it's personally at for old Josh Brown here. Do you want to know why? Yes. Because that had... Resident Evil 2, mm -hmm. because that had Tomb Raider 3, which was actually better than Tomb Raider 2, in my opinion. It okay. had Spyro the Dragon 1, it had Gex the Gecko, it had Medieval, <laughs> it had Bruce Willis's Apocalypse, and some others. And I, South Park game, and it had Small Soldiers, and it had A Bug's Life. I love those games, but yeah, I, I find if we're holding up, yeah. GoldenEye, Metal, yeah. Ge Metal Gear Solid literally changed how games are made. Yes. Mar and like, I was going to say Mario 64 had already been going with 3D stuff, but I feel like 97 was the next evolution of 3D stuff. Yeah, and um, so for me, it's like Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid. I can hang the whole year on those two titles. I can hang gaming history, why gaming matters as a medium on those two games. I And I and I fully respect that decision, but Bosh. if I had to kill A Bug's Life or Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> it would be Final Fantasy VII because A Bug's Life owned... No, I am just joking. Someday you'll play the original Final Fantasy VII yeah. and you'll eat these words. No, I think that's, a, that's an incredible choice. Like you said, you know, it changed the gaming landscape. It mm. changed how people perceived video games, especially yes. stuff like Metal Gear Solid, obviously, mm -hmm. which, you know, was incredibly cinematic for the time and mm -hmm. still holds up incredibly well today mm -hmm. if you can play it on the PlayStation Classic, which I would recommend. I would also shout out Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, which was, for its time, right. unbelievable. Let's talk about these Star Wars games. You mentioned Star Wars Jedi Knight there. I did. I did not play Jedi Knight 1. Really? What was Jedi Knight 1 like? I think, I mean, I could be getting them mixed up because I get, I when I think back on this series, I think of Jedi Academy, I think of Jedi Knight. Yeah. And um, there was the other one as well. There was like, there's three of them, but they didn't have the, the name change. Dark Forces is what it started as. That's it, right? Yeah. Dark, yeah. Dark Forces is the one I didn't play. And then I came in on Jedi Knight. So for me, it was just, I mean, that was back in, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Are we in 97? Um, my, I had barely had any ex exposure to Star Wars back then. I think I'd seen A New Hope. Um, mm. I saw Empire in the cinema, um, not when it first came out because I wasn't born yet, but <laughs> it was on in the cinema. My mum said, do you want to go see Star Wars? And being six years old or whatever I was, um, I was like, yes, please, mum. So I, I saw Empire um, and I, I didn't know what was going on, but I, that's, that's Darth Vader, that's Luke, whatever. Yeah. And so um, doing lightsaber stuff, doing cool Star Wars stuff in a first-person snappy control scheme was just great. And the, that game, providing I'm getting the right one, um, let you do wall running and acrobatics and all that kind of stuff. And that stuff was just extremely, extremely cool. Now, I'm right. going to be mixing it up yes. with a different one, but I think it's in the same franchise. Maybe. It's, 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 Maybe. it's, you know, it's either going to be Jedi Knight 1 or Jedi Knight 2. Yes. You could still do lightsaber stuff in yes. Jedi Knight 1. You know, that's I believe so. all still relevant. And that's fair, man. I, I always think it's interesting that you always mention, or have mentioned mm. in the past, like you said there, you know, the Star Wars, Old Star Wars games gems. to you are as as important as the movies were to you loving that franchise. I'd say they're better. There we go. If you want to do, do a big old take, I've drastic, like, oh God, if you go into what George Lucas always talked about with Star Wars, it's a toy box and you give it to different creators and you see what they do with it. Yeah. I think that games are the best encapsulation of what Star Wars is at its core, right. which is a, a set of cool iconography and ephemera that you just give to a creator and go do something with this. And I think that they, Star Wars as a thing, as an entity, is better played than it is watched. That's crazy, but Bosh. I love it. I love that you've got this take. <laughs> and I, I didn't want to say it because I was like, am I misremembering this? Am I putting words no. in your mouth? But now that is official. Mm -hmm. And I get it, man, like you, you are right. 
I think. Hold on, sorry, very, very quickly. No, Jedi Knight is Dark Forces 2. So right. I didn't play that one. My oh. stupid brain is saving me up Jedi Academy from 2004. So did you not play Jedi Knight 2? I don't believe I did. That was the Kyle Katarn one. Yes, exactly. No, I didn't play that Kyle Katarn right. one. He's in Jedi Academy. That's the same yes, franchise. Yes, Yeah, yeah. He's not playable, but he's in it, yeah. So the, yeah, so the first... I was thinking as I was describing it to you, I was like, I played some of this stuff in a multiplayer setting, which wouldn't have been in 1997. Yeah. And I was like, I just hope that's the right one. It can't be. Right. It's Jedi Academy is the one that I love. So just just scrap me Dark Forces stuff from the record and let everyone <laughs> descend on me from Twitter, because I, I get that that game was a huge, huge deal. Yeah. So I hope people love Kyle Katarn. Oh, totally. I mean, you wouldn't have Jedi Academy without um, mm. Dark Forces 2 mm-hmm. or anything like that. Funnily enough, Jedi Academy came out in 2003. Ah. There you go. No one has mentioned 2003 right now. I do love it. That's what I think that was when I would have got it. Because then that game you could take online on Xbox yes. Live. One of the very first games I ever played online. Yeah. Um, tell me about your second year. My second year is potentially, I don't think it's controversial, but it's quite recent. It's okay. 2011, which saw Ooh. such releases as Skyrim, Arkham City, uh-huh. Portal 2, Uncharted 3. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Battlefield 3, Dark Souls 1, Crisis 2, Dead Space 2, Deus Ex, Mankind, no, Human yeah, Revolution, yeah, yeah. Noir, Gears 3, the Mortal Kombat reboot, the first one, yep. uh, Witcher 2, Bastion Limbo, and of course, the best game of that year, Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> um, that is actually an exemplary year. That's I actually good, think that's up there with 97. Um, Mass Effect 2 was 2012? I didn't mention Mass Effect Sorry, 2 unless yeah, I got it mixed up. No, no Mass, Mass Effect 2 is, 20, is no. 2010. 
Because it was the same yes. year as Red Dead. Yeah. In Mass Effect 3 was 2012. Yes, that's what totally. I'm getting mixed up. Yeah. Um, doing all this stuff all memory is hilarious. <laughs> For people listening to us as we fiddle uh, figure this stuff out. Um, no, the um, 2011, especially for Deus Ex, I love that game. I know people didn't like Adam Jensen and everything. And I liked him. He's super gruff. But like, I was like, this is cool to throw back to like, it looks like Neo. Um, with, it looks like, like you. A, looks like me. Yeah. looks like how I, how I see myself in my mind. Um, and so like, that's the rest of the pie chart. If, it's, if I need to go back to that. Um, but yeah, I love the day of Deus Ex. And I think that like, that's the portal two. I mean, yeah. like easily some of the best games of all time. I, I have a whole thing of just doing wacky, crazy takes. I think that we, we peaked in terms of gaming artistry, creativity versus business interest and the ability to match that stuff to a production budget between 2010 and let's say 2014. Right. Where we had okay. some of the best, the high fidelity, good looking games that had artistic qualities and they had authorship to them. They felt like they were created by people who cared about making stuff. Yeah. And it all kind of broke with Assassin's Creed Unity and we've never really got back. And it's sort of like that um, ethos that I love in games that was prevalent in the 90s, the 2000s, the beginning of the 2010s is now in the indie scene. It's true. The overall industry side of things, um, you know, like that, those were some of the best years for it. It's funny because 2011, like I mentioned there, you know, you can sort of see the indie space as well, starting Mm. with the likes of Limbo, with the likes of Bastion, you know, like these first major successes Mm -hmm. that kind of turned people's heads. And that is alongside, you know, the big hits like Skyrim, like Portal 2, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, Arkham City. I would fully concur that some of the best games ever made came out in 2011. Dark Souls 1 especially changed my life, changed the life of so many people. Mm -hmm. Skyrim, of course, obviously, and the best Gears of War, Gears 3. I don't know if I agree with that, but... The idea of um, uh, Gears 3 is phenomenal. I think I prefer... I don't know, I I have a soft spot for two because that game brought the horde mode in yeah. and that was when oh, like, me and my friends well, yeah. from, from school were still playing it um, and we went through all 50 waves in, in the horde mode and then once we didn't done that we never did it again <laughs> and so like Gears 3 again I played that in one sitting that was my like 2011 I'd, I'd been moved out the house for a couple of years so it was like I can just I can just sit and play this I don't have to do anything yeah. and I just sat and played it um, in like a 10 hour stint or whatever it was um, Gears 3 just plays immaculately well though um, but yeah I think that um, as a selection of games you might be onto something with 2011 being one of the absolute finest also like you said that provided the seeds the seeds for the indie scene to explode across 2012 and especially 2013 yeah like 2013 i always remember this is the year that um indie games got inducted into the moma the museum of modern art and that was the year that roger ebert was like they're not art and it was like that whole that whole thing and was around then and it was like that whole sort of spark around like you know the maturation of the medium and 2013 was when gone home and papers please and everything came out of course yeah and so um it was just that whole sort of boom period of like this whole other echelon of like creativity um and production that i always loved yeah. it reminded me of the old days but it, like those years it was nicely alongside the top tier stuff yeah we hadn't had the triple a stuff break away <laughs> fully and break itself fully yet either that's it like there was space for both and mm. it was always interesting to see both release it d- didn't feel like at least to me in mm. 2011 that we were inundated with stuff and it kind no. of felt like what came out was often just like really well polished you know whether well, they were like, sequels like uncharted 3 or whether they were new things mm-hmm. like bastion and limbo i do think uncharted 3 is one of the most disappointing games i've ever played though i think it's the best in the original trilogy that is oh. madness it is I over two this. i'll tell you why go on uncharted 2 has a better story yeah. Uncharted 2 has some of the, some better locations. Mm-hmm. Uncharted 3 plays miles better than Uncharted 2, I think. The shooting is so crisp. Are they so similar? No, well, it, I've only played them in the Nathan Drake collections. I don't uh, know if that changed anything. Uh-huh. But I remember going straight from 2 to 3 and just being kind of like a little bit blown away because I didn't expect right. them to jump in quality at all and just feeling it that it was way punchier than cool. 2. 
For me. I, I always remember just being really gutted by three. I hated how um, all the enemies had hit scan stuff put in. So it was just mm. like, they will hit you regardless of anything. Make sure you're taking cover exactly here or you will be taken out. And there's that whole bit, um, which I don't know how much it's been patched or whatever, but the initial version um, where you're in the docks and you're in this like walled off area with loads of boats and there's loads of snipers everywhere and they want to hit you all the time. <laughs> and I just remember just, I, it was, I was done. Like I wasn't that invested in the story anyway. I didn't yeah. like the young Drake stuff. Um, and then when they just started one-shotting me and every enemy could just hit you regardless, um, it was just like, oh my God, what have you guys done? Right. And I was like the first time I was disappointed in a Naughty Dog game. And, oh, that's, um, that's, the, that's maybe the one and only time, really. Right. Um, I, I, yeah. I totally get why as well, mm. you know, especially when it comes to some of the things in the story that just are mind-blowingly kind of silly and a little bit dumb. A little bit. But and that was that teleporting guy? Yeah, that's who I was referring to, who uh, like mind brainwashed people with his like little dart gun or whatever it the was. The hell was that? Doesn't make any sense. No. But you've got the bit where you are in the desert, which is incredible, I think. I, okay. No, no. I just thought okay. they advertised that so much. And then when it got to that bit, it was like, we'll just hold up on the analog stick. And Well, I yeah. do think this is where we differ because Maybe. obviously you were playing them at the, at a, at the time mm. and I got them to them way later because I didn't right. have a PlayStation 3, obviously, and I played mm. them on the PlayStation 4 back to back. So maybe that gave me a different appreciation Maybe I, them, I playing don't them in the know. vacuum. Yeah, I don't know. I doubt they've patched that much stuff. I just remember thinking that like the idea of him being stuck in the desert is a great visual. Yeah. And like I like the whole like, way of it reflecting where his psyche's at and he has to claw himself back out and everything. But then it was like, they advertised that so much of like, oh my God, where does the story go? from here yes. and then it was like you hold up on the analog stick a few times and then he just finds a settlement with people and guns and everything I was like oh okay well we just what, what even why do we even focus on that um, but yeah I think uh, overall though yeah I, uh, I'm i not going to seed 97 personally but mm -hmm. I think 2011 is a phenomenal show yeah. um, lots of really good memories for that and the industry was in a great place that's what I was going to say and um, when you said that it didn't feel like a seismic era at the time I think those those like first few years into the 2010s were the first um, the dying years of just having a certain production schedule a certain turnaround for games where it was like this is what the industry is you get this yeah. many bangers every year that's yes. just how it works and like I said it was 2014 and the turn of the generation that broke all that where we started getting really broken games it's true um, yeah. and like uh, 2014 was like barren like PT was yeah. game of the year for the most part um, and stuff like that um, 2007 though is the year that me and you both put down um, I will reel some stuff off you can fill in the gaps if I miss things out 2007 is it's Bioshock, it's Halo 3, it's Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which, oh my god, when that game was new. What a time. What a time. Um, you got the Crisis Remastered, you've got Super Mario Galaxy, you've got the original Portal, you've got Assassin's Creed, you've got the original Uncharted, you've got Mass Effect. Yes, you do. Which I remember just looking forward to Mass Effect's conversations, the fact that you could control a flowing conversation. Yeah. It's still never been done better for me. No. Like, hardly any games, uh, I guess because you have to kind of break reality to serve you up like a response before your guys even thought of it, because yeah. they haven't finished the sentence yet. Yeah. But if you get it right, um, you can have flowing conversations with people. Um, it was also um, Half-Life 2, Episode 2. You've got the Orange Box, God of War 2. Yes. The best God of War game in the original series. It's not before. as good as God of War 3. as God of War 3. That's hilarious because <laughs> I always think God of War 3, again, is like Uncharted 3. That I was the this. one where I was like, nah, I'm done. Right. Because in God of War 3, Kratos is just this big old rage face. Yes. And he's butchering his friends and his enemies and everything. And he makes no sense anymore. It, that's true. But it's fun. Couldn't get away with it's it. It's so fun. Anyway. Oh, you'd think young metal me would have loved God of War 3. Yeah, but I'm I, surprised. Nah, 3 was the... De that's why that franchise went away for it's, so long. It's true. It it's is true. Uh, it just couldn't... Again, uh, another one, though, like Uncharted 3. Mm. And I played years later in back-to-back. -back, so maybe in that vacuum maybe. again, perhaps. I'm not sure. Maybe there's a way to go for it. I will also throw in uh, The Darkness, which I absolutely oh. massively adore. The Simpsons game was yes. 2007. Um, and I think that's it for my side. I think Stranglehold was 2007. And yeah. The Godfather game as well. And The Shield. 
The is shield also in there. Is that true? That's in there. 2007 is also when Heavenly Sword dropped. Yeah. Um, which I wasn't on board for the hype for that, but I did think it looked gorgeous. And I like the whole stuff with um, you know, firing the bow and arrow, and then you can track it to different dudes' limbs. Yeah. And if you shoot them in the foot, they react to being shot in the foot. Um, I will end my point by saying crackdown. Also, that's the year. Uh, Was that 2007? That's 2007. Um, and Ratchet and Clank, um, future whatever it was called. I've got a few more well. to add as well. Go on. You've got Rock Band. You've got Guitar Hero 3. You've got Ooh. Wii Sports, my friend. Is that 2007? I think so, according to wikipedia.com. <laughs> That's what I it told me. I worked in uh, GameStation in 2008. I think it was 2008. Might have been 2007 as well. No, it would have been 2007 because that game, like working that day, the work, sorry, working the months that followed that game, the right. populace reacting to Wii Sports was the most I've ever been rushed off my feet in my life. Yeah. Like just, yeah, and just being sold out every day, big oh, queues man. down the shopping center that we were in, just trying to get copies of that game and having to give people carnival games ah. instead because we didn't have any copies of Wii Sports. Anyway, carry on. I was just going to say 2007 to me, even though the next gen obviously started two years pre- prior mm. to this with the release of the Xbox 360, Mm-hmm. To me, 2007 feels like the first year where it was entirely next-gen stuff, and it felt like we'd made a leap. Mm-hmm. We had next-gen games before, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but stuff to me like Halo 3, Call of Duty 4, Bioshock, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect, you know, all of that, it all felt new. Assassin's Creed yeah. as well, you know, you've got these new IPs alongside some next-gen sequels, and it felt to me at the time, like a huge leap. Like we were getting these new things mm. or at least the franchises that we were more familiar with were getting redefined. We had the boom of kind of the online multiplayer um, persistent experience mm-hmm. that we know today from Call of Duty 4. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Halo 3 was still big online, but you know, in terms of the things that you do, like leveling up, getting yeah, like XP, perk systems. Yeah, perk else, systems, yeah. all that from Call of Duty 4. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it felt like a real nexus of creativity for me at the time. You know, yes. I was I was a dumb 14-year-old or whatever it was, <laughs> but uh, it didn't matter. You know, I remember looking in a, I think it must have been the official Xbox magazine right. or something similar in reading the write-up for Mass Effect and right. hearing them talk about it, you know, them building this new world mm-hmm. from scratch and how they invented all of these alien races, how they had this new law in just thinking like that was something I hadn't seen. Obviously, it no. kind of had been done, but it felt new. It felt oh, incredible. No, sorry, that's I was going to say because when the uh, Legendary Edition came out for the Mass Effect trilogy, when I went back to that, I realized that I've not had a feeling like that since Mass Effect, yeah. where it's like you've really crafted a whole universe. And obviously, that's what Bioware used to do better than anyone else. Um, and it's just when you think about the big seismic worlds in gaming, like whether it's Witcher or Elder Scrolls or whatever, like their, their sequels at this point, their refinements, and like um, obviously for Mass Effect to launch so fully formed. Um, and I get the Bioware, like they were coming off Star Wars and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's something about Mass Effect. I like, when I replayed the Legendary Edition, I realized that I way prefer one as much as when I grew up, I always thought I preferred two. Um, but there's something about how open one feels. And I like, again, if we're doing confessions, I never cared about how threadbare a lot of the uh, ancillary planets felt no. because they still felt like planets. It still felt like I was like, I had a ship and I was going to all these different places and I was discovering what was there. And when I went back through it on the Legendary Edition, um, that only reinforced that stuff. I was like, no, there is lots of lore out here. There is lots of things to see um, in terms of like just, you know, the sun bearing down on some desert planet or whatever. And yeah. they could do more with it, but it was 2007. Of course. Like, you know. And it still looked lush. Like yeah. like you said, you know, when you're on those planets, even if you're doing the same handful of activities over and over again, mm-hmm. like each one looked unique enough. Like I have yeah. some great memories of, you know, landing that Mako Mako down on one of those planets. We love like the Mako said, too. We do as well. Yeah. Like that floaty little bastard I love is it. so, so good. Cartwheeling off of the walls. Absolutely. It's and, great. You know, I always go back and forward on which 
Mass Effect game, I love more, whether it's one or whether it's two. And I can't fault people saying one because I don't think there's anything else that feels like it. With mm. Mass Effect 2, for as much as I think that's an incredible sequel, you, you can see where Bioware are chasing trends or kind of moving away from what the first game did to kind of yes. appeal to a geese of war the crowd. The EAification The EAification of starts in Mass Effect 2, and yep. I don't think it's a problem in Mass Effect 2, but it's more noticeable going back to them a decade plus later and playing them back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect 1 still feels singular and fully formed, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the character work in 2 is so good. So. I d- I, yeah, I think obviously the likes of Thane, all the side missions and stuff do yeah. flesh it out. But like, yeah, and also if we're talking about seismic years in gaming history, we mentioned 2011, the seeds of the indie scene and like the the changing of like how production cycles work and everything. 2007 was when narratives changed in gaming because it was Bioshock mm. and like mm-hmm. nothing would ever be the same again in regards to propulsion and the reason you're doing stuff in games. Yeah. And I remember all the conversations. The thing is, I remember a, a, a conversation that was on a podcast and um, would have been an IGN podcast back in 2007. It was Greg Miller had played Bioshock right. and he couldn't, he could barely describe what he'd seen <laughs> because you, how could you describe that until someone yes. sees it? And he was just, I remember him telling, I don't know who he would have been on the podcast with, but I remember him just being like all over the place like he just finished the game and he was like doing this podcast it was a non-spoiler one but he was like you guys have no idea you, I can't even tell you how much I've just seen and <laughs> um, like the end of Blade Runner like I've, you know, I've, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe and um, and I just remember thinking like what the hell is this game um, and as much as me personally I never liked the way Bioshock played I thought that the combat was horrible and whatever else that changed the way that narratives work in games where yes. all of a sudden everyone all the conversations that came out of it were like well why is Sonic collecting rings why does Mario care about coins why 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 are we doing the things that the narrative prompt tells you to? And I remember like, we, we wouldn't get all the richer stories in gaming if not for Bioshock, if not for Ken Levine and that team, um, setting those things out in motion in the first place. So yeah, if you talk about the most important games in gaming history, yeah. it's Bioshock and that yeah, only like boosts that thing overall. I fully agree. And you know, Bioshock at the time felt like such a surprise as well. Mm. Like obviously there were people looking forward to it, but a lot of people had no idea what it was. No. Like you said there, you know, Greg Miller kind of struggling to even describe <laughs> it because it did feel so new and novel. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the best gaming memories is taking a chance on that game yes. and having that chance be rewarded by like this mind blowing story mm. that completely changed, like you said, you know, the way that narratives were dealt with well, going forward. I remember them doing the demo as well. Um, they put the demo out, which was I never on. That. Okay, yeah. so the demo was just the plane crash and the lighthouse, and then you descend down into bio, into the rapture. And I think they ended it there. I remember mm. just being like, oh my God, what the hell is this? Um, and then obviously getting it and everything. But like, yeah, the, Bioshock is one of the best like reveals in gaming. Like you talk about the way that it was teased beforehand and obviously like the game itself and everything. But um, yeah, I think 2007 um, overall, I'm just looking at what else came out in 2007. Manhunt 2, I will shout out. I really like Manhunt 2. I get that it was like one of the initial, oh my God, ban this filth style games. Like yeah. it was banned in Australia. It had this whole thing in America where it had the wrong age rating and everything. Um, and there was the whole thing about the original game being tied to a murder, which wasn't the case and whatever. Um, Manhunt 2 though, I think is a very, very solid stealth game. I thought it was very like, gritty and gruesome and like just unafraid to be as absolutely sadistic as possible, which back then I was way more into as a yeah. like, teenager watching horror films and everything else. Um, I'm not going to say it's aged that well, but at the time, like that was a great follow up to the original and the story's pretty cool too. Yeah, totally. It was, uh, you know, it was incredibly noteworthy mm. in, a, in a way that some games just aren't today and they mm-hmm. kind of come and go and it's like, no, in between all of this, you have stuff like Manhunt 2 that, mm. you know, might not be as critically lauded as a Bioshock, but mm-hmm, is still mm-hmm. remembered as, like, having an impact on the gaming sphere that year. Yeah, and also Uncharted, like, changing motion capture, changing the way that we think about cutscenes. Was that 2007? Uncharted, for the first one was. Bloody hell. I know. It was, like, the whole PS3, reason to get a PS3, etc. That was why I got a PlayStation 
3. It was also wow. from Metal Gear Solid 4, but whatever. Um, but yeah, and then like Assassin's Creed, massive yeah. build up to that game. I remember the, all the original teasers for that thing being like, it's old school, it's mythological, or it looks mythological, but there's a sci-fi element to it. What the hell is that about? Um, chatting with the boys in the Argos stockroom Oi. about what that might be. This is what I mean when I talk about 2007 feeling like a new chapter for games. Because mm. I remember the double header of Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect, you know, playing both of those back to back. Both of them, I was just, you know, you were convinced that this was a new age. It was the dawning of a new age for gaming. (laughs) Those two titles were ushering it in like 100%, like the conversations, the water cooler moments that were had around that first Assassin's Creed. I missed Booting it up in not even realizing that there was a sci-fi framing Mm. in in kind of having to navigate that and deciding whether it was good or bad for you. Mm-hmm. Even that, man, was, is such a, a gaming conversation that you'll remember for a long They're time. Always, that, oh, that is always why I love the original Assassin's Creed. Like I um, I didn't mind the repetitive nature of it necessarily because I was so um, enamored by the gameplay. I liked that you could just climb anything, etc. And then, yeah, it was the slow reveal of the future stuff, which I know they like they show you a bit of at the beginning. Right. It was at the very end where you realize that Desmond does have the eagle vision. He is like descended and he can see the things that are on the wall. Um, I think he says, like, holy best or whatever yeah. when that happens and I just like that was such a such a cool cool world like I like it wasn't until years later where I started covering this stuff professionally and realizing people don't like the modern day stuff and just me being like <laughs> what like I, that stuff was great um, I think but, that might be the nexus of this uh, or the origin of this podcast because <laughs> you got that modern day stuff and said this was great Yeah, I saw the modern day stuff and thought this is bad really <laughs> yeah just because I was an idiot child uh, no no I, well no you're not I think the amount of people that also thought the same thing there was yes. a lot of people going like I don't need this this yeah. isn't why I'm playing. Um, but yeah, I think that obviously the way Assassin's Creed went would try and walk that line Absolutely. and uh, would go in a bunch of different directions. It would be yeah. remiss to move on or finish this podcast without mentioning Guitar Hero 3 and Very how true. much of an impact that had on my life. Because mm-hmm. if I recall, that was the first Guitar Hero to fully have licensed songs and not have covers. Oh, God, I yeah. Th- think, I think... Guitar God, I Hero 2. Didn't start with that stuff. Yeah, man. I'm pretty sure like Guitar Hero 2 mm. still had some covers and Guitar Same, Hero yeah. 3 was when it was like fully licensed. Yep. Every song was the official song. God of War 3 is, sorry, God of War. Guitar Hero 3 is also when they put in um, hammer-ons and pull-offs, which right. is a guitar okay. term, but like yeah. it means that you don't have to strum each individual note. Yes. You can hit the first one in a, in a string and let your left hand do the whole thing or your right hand or whatever and do all of it. That sped gameplay up so much. Right. Um, and that was, that's why 3, I mean, I, I lived on that. I lived on Guitar Hero so much that I took up guitar. I was just like, <laughs> I I, I'm that. just putting so many hours into this. I'll just actually yeah. learn guitar. 3 and 4 especially, but I think 3 had the better soundtrack. Yeah, you know, It was cool, you know, having the whole Legends of Rock kind of framing mm. that coming out the same year as Rock Band, like starting that um, rivalry that lasted, you know, a good few years was exciting <laughs> to be a part of because I was always a Guitar Hero person Right. because I started with Guitar Hero 2 and my friends were always Rock Band people, which was always nice because mm. you got like to exchange the set list. You got to go around their houses and play drums. Mm-hmm. But that was like a real big part of my, you know, teen years, you know, going around friends' houses, having house parties where that was set up and just kind of, you know, playing those soundtracks. And like a lot of games like Tony Hawk's did back in the day or like the movie American Pie did, (laughs) Guitar Hero 3 and the rest of the games Uh were so good for finding new music at a time where I didn't really have internet in 2007. I had Mm dial-ups. I couldn't even use YouTube very well. I think playing those songs as well give you such a good, like, appreciation for the instrumentation side of it or the compositional side of it. Like, I mean, and yeah, like you said, the Legends side of it 
Said side of it a lot. Yeah. Side of it. Um, I love that they got slash Tom Morello, and I forget the third person. I know that they did a, a remix of The Devil Goes Down to Georgia. Yes. Um, but it they the had. <laughs> it might, I forget that it's one of the original band is for that. But anyway, um, they did like custom, uh, you know, compositions from Slash and Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine fame, right. which for me, like the, the, when you fight them, those are like riffs and compositions and stuff that they came up with that would be cool to use in a fight, a guitar fight scenario, yeah. which I just thought was so cool. Um, rock band as well. Like, I mean, I was, on, I was on the Guitar Hero hype back then. And as soon as they were like, you can get a drum kit and you can get bass and whatever. And it was Neversoft who went from Guitar Hero to yes. um, rock band. I remember having my Argos paycheck and going down to shout out to Woolworths in the UK and buying the biggest deluxe one I could get because I was getting paid weekly and just walking down the Hexham um, Hexham's near a place in the northeast of England and um, with my giant box of plastic toys and my boss at Argos going what the hell have you just bought and I was like the future mate it's the, the you need to see this um, yeah those are those are great memories and like you said they they represent like really good turning points in gaming for the better um, which are just like awesome to celebrate we might just agree that 2007 is the best year in gaming history you know what I wouldn't even be annoyed with that <laughs> if we came to the decision right now that that was the best year. Fair enough. It's definitely the, the front runner. It's definitely the it thing is. for the comments. Come find us on Twitter. Come let us know what you think about the best year in gaming history. Me, personally, it's still 1997, but I can see the case for 2007. I also love the case you made for 2011. I think I'd go for that if I had to choose yeah. one. Yeah. I think 2011 is a, like I said, it's a great Nexus. We, we've used Nexus quite a lot yeah. into the Nexus. I think <laughs> that um, 2011 is a great, um, like, t- not like a tipping point, but a good pinnacle mm. of like the 2000s mentality and the 2010s ludicrous AAA production stuff, yeah. but like meeting perfectly in the middle. Um, 2011 and 2012 were both like exemplary years. Um, anyway, this has been the windup. I've been Scott Tilford. You've been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Come find us on social media. Let us know what the best years in gaming history are, and we'll catch you next week. Ultimate Spider-Man rocks. Goodbye. It does, and so do sloths. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.